So, my inbox is chock-a-block full with messages from Angry Tar Heels today. Why? Well, because the All-ACC Men's Basketball Awards were released on Monday, and Tar Heel fans are not so happy about it and think the voters got it wrong. Did they? What's the truth? Well, I talked to one of the voters, and I'll give you the full scoop. Plus, a primer for the Men's Basketball ACC Tournament, and an update from the NFL Combine. All coming up on today's edition of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is my daughter's third birthday. How is that real? But it is a thing. Here's a picture from the day she was born. You're going to love it. See, it's showing up on the screen right now. It's not the whole messy thing. It's when she got cleaned up. I promise you, I wouldn't do you like that. But you know what was awesome about when my daughter was born? The very next day, we're still in the hospital, March 9th, 2019. You know what happened that day? Number three, Carolina, took down number four, Duke, to share a, uh, a part of the ACC championship with Virginia, and the Tar Heels were dancing. That's Kobe White and all those boys. Uh, Zion Williamson still sitting on the sideline with a blown-out shoe. It was a whole thing. Anyway, as always, I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And please don't forget that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. Please go check us out. Today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here, and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. That's runyourpool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Now, before we get to our All-ACC Awards, you know what day it is? It's Tuesday. You know what we do on Locked on Tar Heels on Tuesday? We have Trivia Tuesday. So let's get into it. As you know, probably by now, Armando Baycott unfortunately didn't win ACC Player of the Year. Next year, run it back, let's do it. But 14 other Tar Heels have done so in the history of the ACC, a total of 15 times. That is second only to Duke's 18 different times they've won this award. So Tuesday trivia for today is this. Whom are those 14 Tar Heels and which is the one of them who won the award twice? The answer coming up at the beginning of the third segment. All right, it's a big brouhaha. Everyone's upset. That's all I've been hearing about. Why? Well, the ACC awards are out. Armando Baycott's not your player of the year. Hubert Davis is not your coach of the year. And Leaky Black is not your defensive player of the year. People are upset, and I get it. And we need to talk about it. Now, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to spend time listing off all 15 people on the top three teams and all the honorable mentions. You can go read that wherever. But I do want to highlight a few of the major awards. So, while Baycott didn't win Player of the Year, he did finish second behind Wake Forest's Alondis Williams. But he was the top vote-getter, the most, the most points for first-team All-ACC. 
That's flip-flopped with Alondis Williams, who won the Player of the Year award, but was second in points on the All-ACC teams. How does that work out? Where That seems like a discrepancy, right? I'll explain it in just a moment. Leaky Black came in at third in the Defensive Player of the Year rankings, but he did make the All-Defensive team. Again, the third leading vote-getter there behind Mark Williams and Reese Beekman. Two Tar Heels made the honorable mention list, Caleb Love, Got the 16th most most points, so he came in just off the third team, and then Brady Manick was 20th. Just to run through the other headline awards, Wake Forest Steve Forbes got Coach of the Year. Hubert Davis got just one vote in that category. Seems low, maybe. We'll talk about that. ACC Freshman of the Year, as you would expect, is Paolo Bancaro from Duke. Most improved is Darion Sebron of NC State. Wasn't all that improved against Carolina this year. What up, Leaky Black, who should have been... Well, no, I don't want to get there ahead of time. RJ Davis did get one vote in that most improved category. And then sixth man of the year was FSU's Matthew Cleveland. So a a lot of the reason people are up in arms is because there's a lot of un- misunderstanding of how the voting process works, or maybe even just a lack of understanding of what that is. So I've done the scooping, I've done the diving, I've done the talking and the texting, and I've got all the information of you. So information for you, I should say. So, so who votes on these awards? There are 80 total possible votes. All 15 head coaches get one vote. Three media members from each team get one vote. So that's 15 times three is 45. You're welcome. There's math for you. Um, and so uh, for 13 of the 15 schools, one of those three media votes is the radio announcer. I'm actually not sure who the two are that don't do it that way. And then uh, there are 20 at-large votes. So 15 head coaches, 45 media members from schools, and then 20 at-large media members for 80 total. Now, in the ACC's official release on Monday, it did say that there were 78 votes. So my, my assumption is that there are two media members that didn't participate or just didn't get their ballots in. So if there are three people that vote for each team, you're probably wondering, or three uh, media plus a coach, the head coach, you're wondering who votes for Carolina. Well, Hubert Davis as head coach, uh, radio announcer, obviously, Jones Angel, the voice of the Tar Heels, and then the two other media members are C.L. Brown from the News and Observer. You might have seen him on post-game or other press conferences, and Greg Barnes, who is from Inside Carolina, which is a 247 sports affiliate, which is part of CBS. Uh, Now, here's where stuff starts to get a little bit interesting. One of the questions is, when do these votes have to get turned in? Because that might affect things. And so, as I said, I talked to one of the voters who um, spoke to me on the condition of anonymity, and so I won't reveal who this source is, other than I will say it is not one of the North Carolina voters. Uh, Just to make sure I wasn't introducing bias in, I wanted to make sure to talk to a non-Tar Heel. And here's what this person had to say. The votes were due Sunday at noon, but I know a lot of folks uh, voted before Saturday's games, though, for time purposes. Uh, Okay, interesting. So put a pin in that. We'll come right back to it. Are the votes made public? In a word, no. However, you might have seen several media members do put out their votes. Head coaches aren't, just they wouldn't. And so there's that. 
Here's where a lot of folks are big mad, though. The biggest point of contention. As I said earlier, Armando Baycott got more points in the All-ACC voting, but uh, Alondis Williams got more votes in the ACC Player of the Year award. How is that voting tabulated? Well, I talked to the same voter about this. Uh, this was my assumption, and the voter confirmed it for me. This is two completely different votes. So for Player of the Year, each voter has uh, one vote, so they one vote per person, highest total wins out of those 78 votes. As, as you s might have seen, uh, Williams, Baycott, and Van Caro were the only three that got votes. As, as you hoped and, and as I hoped, Van Caro was way down on the list. Alondis Williams got 41 votes, Baycott got 31, and so that just didn't work out. The All-ACC teams, on the other hand, is a different voting system. Voters select the 15 people... Uh, 15 student athletes who they think should be on those lists, not broken down by team, just one through 15. And um, all those who are put onto the first team, they're like the top five people you choose get five points, middle five get three points, bottom five get one point. Obviously, if they're left off, they get zero points. And so because of this tiered system, this 5-3-1, and it being a separate vote, that's why Baycott is able to edge out Williams for the most first team points, 380 to 373. Now, you might be wondering, was that unanimous? I did the math. Five points times 78 voters is 390. So Baycott fell just short of um, unanimous first team selection at 380 points. Um, and honestly, it feels like to me, Baycott, Williams, and Bancroft should have all gotten um, just straight across the board first team points, but they didn't. Now, here is another wrinkle that my voter source said to me, and this uh, said this, the system for ranking the 15 was honestly not clear. I could totally see an older coach doing it without help from their SID and screwing it up. So there's another wrinkle in it. What's going on there? Well, whew, so... It's a little bit confusing, a little bit of a conundrum, and it seems like things might go wrong from time to time. I want to give you where I'm at with it. But before we do that, we're going to talk about where I'm at, talk about the ACC tournament, and, and all of these players who are going to have an opportunity to show their stuff in, in Brooklyn next week and prove, or this week, excuse me, and prove how people got it wrong. But first, I want to talk to you about Stat Hero. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This coming Sunday is Selection Sunday, and then March Madness Hoopla kicks into full gear. Stat Heroes NCAA Single Game Pick'em pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid style uh, between fantasy and sports gambling. So go ahead, take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage, and start focusing on the players you know best with gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. -head. What happens is Stat Hero simply posts sets of players for you to take on with sets of players that you choose. 
Stat Hero is the easiest and the fastest way for you to get your sports action fix. The simple and sleek gameplay will have you playing in just minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So you can sign up free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com locked on, promo code locked on for 100% match. Stathero.com locked on, terms and addition, terms and conditions, excuse me, apply. So these all ACC teams. Here's where I'm personally at with it. I'm most upset, personally, and as, as a stat head, as someone who looks into all that, about the Leaky Black situation and the Coach Davis situation. I want to say, yes, I personally would have voted for Armando Baycott, but in that one, I can see where like logical people could vote for Baycott or Alondis Williams. Again, I'm so glad that people recognize that it should not be Bancaro and gave him a lesser vote, just six votes, I believe he got for that award. Um, and so, uh, again, also thankfully, both Baycott and Leaky Black were recognized on the all-defensive team for Leaky and the all-ACC first team for Armando. But here's the thing for me. With the, all, with the defensive player of the year, I think there's an issue where people settle for just looking at, ooh, you get a lot of blocks, so Mark Williams wins. Or, ooh, wow, you get a lot of steals, so then we see Reese Beekman of Virginia getting second place. I think we need better metrics, or at least more simple and understandable defensive metrics so that voters, so that fans can understand beyond just steals and blocks, how well the defensive player is playing. There are these stats, there are these data, but they're just so eggheady that most people aren't going to take the time or the care to look at them. And so I just, I legitimately thought that Leakey should get a higher number of votes. Yes, maybe Williams still wins, or maybe Beekman still wins, but Leakey Black should be in that conversation. Now, what incenses me most is the fact that coach Davis got one vote for coach of the year. Now, from what I learned from my voting source about the fact that several voters turned in their votes, uh, their ballots before Saturday's games. Now I know you've got a full body of work throughout the conference season. However, the final game isn't done yet. Coach Davis has won five games straight, including Everything we talked about on yesterday's podcast of upsetting Coach K, ruining the retirement party. I'm not saying he would have won. I think Steve Forbes, great. You got it. Way to turn around Wake Forest and get sixth place or fifth place or whatever you got. But if more votes, more ballots had gone in after Saturday, there's no way Hubert Davis is only getting one vote in that race. That's just insane to me. Okay. There we go. I've said it. Blah, blah, blah. Sunday coming up, there's going to be our bracket reveal here for Locked On. I want to ask you to make sure to check out the Locked On bracket breakdown on March 14th. It'll show up in our Locked On Tar Heels podcast and on the Locked On Tar Heels YouTube channel. You can check that out. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling are going to give you in-depth breakdowns on every single matchup. 
Also, uh, I forgot to mention in the, in all the Duke hoopla that unfortunately the women's basketball team lost in the ACC tournament quarterfinals to Virginia Tech, and uh, obviously they're still going to make the NCAA tournament and hopefully uh, get a great seed there. And so, ladies, we're with you. Can't wait to see where you wind up and who you're playing. As for the men's ACC tournament, I'm going to talk more specifically about the Tar Heels postseason plans and hopes and expectations on tomorrow's show, on Wednesday's show, and then on Thursday preview their first game because by that point we'll finally know who they are playing. So this ACC tournament primer will be something more just of a general like, hey, let's look through the schedule and see where things are at. As I'm talking, you're going to be able to see the bracket on screen. I'm going to post it up there for you uh, to see as I talk about it. So on Tuesday, teams 10 through 15 will be in action. All of these games on the ACC network. Number 12, Pitt versus number 13, Boston College at 2. Coming up at 4.30, number 10 seed Clemson versus 15 seed NC State. How on all of God's green goodness is NC State last in the ACC? Yes, I know the big losses of personnel to Manny Bates, but goodness gracious, NC State should never be at the bottom of the barrel. And then at 7 o'clock on tonight, on Tuesday night, number 11 Louisville against number 14 Georgia Tech. I don't think they're going to repeat as conference champions going out on a limb with that one. On Wednesday, inside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, again, which, come on, can we get the ACC tournament back in the South? I know New York's great and it's a great venue and fine, but whatever. Dear goodness, the ACC belongs in the South somewhere. Let's go with that. Okay, Wednesday's games tomorrow. Teams 5 through 9 join in the action. These games will move to ESPN or ESPN2. Tipping at noon Eastern Time, 8 seed FSU versus 9 seed Syracuse. Then at 2.30 to wrap up the afternoon session, number 5 Wake Forest taking on the winner of Pitt and BC. 7 o'clock, the evening session. 7th seed Virginia Tech takes on the Clemson NC State winner. And then rounding things out, 6th seed Virginia takes on the Louisville Georgia Tech winner. Moving to Thursday, the Tar Heels will be in action for the first time. They'll cap things that night. Same schedule, noon and 2.30 for the afternoon, 7 and 9.30 for the evening sessions. These games will also be on ESPN or ESPN2. At noon, top-seeded Duke tips off against the winner of FSU and Syracuse. 2.30, fourth-seeded Miami will take on the winner of Wake Forest, Pitt, or Boston College. Kicking off the evening session, the seventh-seeded Notre Dame Fightin' Irish will take on the Virginia Tech Clemson or NC State winner. And then the Tar Heels in action, 9.30 on Thursday evening, taking on the winner of Virginia, Louisville, or Georgia Tech. Again, we'll get you ready for that matchup soon, soon, soon. And then on Friday, the semifinals... Uh, coming up on ESPN or ESPN2, that hasn't been named yet. The afternoon winners will square off at 7, and then the evening session winners from Thursday will square off at 9.30. It is going to be a late week, but I will be with you to get you all the information, all the all the recaps, uh, as Carolina inevitably <laughs> walks their way to a championship. No, we'll have to wait and see. Who knows what's going to happen. And then the championship does take place on Saturday evening on ESPN, 8.30 Eastern time. You know what? Why not? Let's get one more Duke Carolina matchup. That would be incredible. And let's just run it back from what happened on Saturday. 
Well, that's a lot of basketball talk already this week, but such is this time of year. That's what we're doing. We're talking basketball, but we do need to make sure we stay locked in to the football team. Spring practice is still going on, and you might or might not be aware that the NFL Combine just wrapped up on Monday. Five different Tar Heels were invited to participate in that, and so we'll look into it, plus the Tuesday trivia answer in just a moment. But first, I got a couple things to tell you about. First off is run your pool. March Madness is coming up. Uh, selection show is Sunday. Next Thursday, we'll kick off the first games. And so that means you need to start thinking right now about where you're going to run your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you going for the best? We've done our homework here at Locked On and we're running our brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with the standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers four other March Madness game types like Survivor. Man, an awesome and fun way to do that. Check it out. Plus, there's all sorts of options to edit scoring and all sorts of intel that can help you make picks, things that you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain more new customers. Plus, they offer great customer support custom branding, and one of the easiest setups you can find. Took me just about three minutes to do it myself. Clearly, here at Locked On, we believe in Run Your Pool, because like I previously said, we're running our brackets there ourselves, and there's no truer test of believing in a product. Also, if you want to play against some of us from Locked On at a chance to win a cash prize, you can do that. Join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, go ahead and create your own pool for your friends and family or coworkers. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details are going to be available for you there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. Can't wait to see you and beat you there. <laughs> also, let me tell you about Bet Online. You know that football's over for the season, but college basketball, NBA, it's in full swing things are going. NBA is coming into the home stretch. And as we've just said, March Madness is right around the corner. So from all the latest odds and totals to player performance props and where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Plus games, scores, podcasts, and all the latest news. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net already has College World Series odds out for baseball. And here we go with that. Texas is at the top of the list with 15 to 2 odds. The Tar Heels come in at 80 to 1. I hope you can still get it at that because they're reeling off the victories and that would be a great buy. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the action starts. All right, you ready for this Tuesday trivia? It's time for your answers. As a reminder, we are talking about UNC Tar Heels who have won ACC Player of the Year. There are 14 different players who won it, total of 15 times. There's one who did it twice. I'll go from oldest to most recent. First off, 1957, you probably guessed this one if you know much about Carolina history, Lenny Rosenbluth. 1958, the next year, Pete Brennan. 1960, Lee Schaffer. Lee Schaefer, excuse me, and then 1965, Billy Cunningham. Yes, sir, he did it. And then here comes our double. Who is it? None other than Larry Miller, back-to-back, -back, 1967 and 68. The only two-time winner for Carolina. Then in 76, it was almost a full decade before the Tar Heels had another winner, Mitch Kupchak. 
And then Phil Ford, 1978, boy, he was something. And then the GOAT, MJ, 1984. Then it was another 14 years before Carolina had another winner, Anton Jameson, in 98. And then 2001, as we turn into the 2000s, the first and only co-winner for Carolina shared the award. Mr. Joseph Forte did with none other than Duke's Shane Battier, who was in the stands in Cameron Saturday night looking rather forlorn, I might say. 2008, yeah, that's right, Hansborough. What a dominant year that was. Uh, lost out to his teammate in his senior year. Ty Lawson won in 2009. Tyler Zeller in 2012. Boy, that team should have won a national championship. Creighton, you are the worst. Okay. And then the most recent one, last championship season, Justin Jackson, 2017. There you go. There's the list. All 15 times the Tar Heels have won ACC Player of the Year. Okay, let's get into the NFL Combine. Now, I'm going to start at the end and work backwards to, to the guys that, that we're going to pay most attention to. So, two offensive linemen were invited, Joshua Izudu, Marcus McKeithen. Both of those guys uh, are looking like they will be undrafted free agents, um, but both participated in the event, and who knows where they might one day land. Izudu ran a 5.1940. McKeithen, Marcus McKeithen, came in at a 5.31. For Izudu, he's grading out to a 6.13 on that 8.0 NFL uh, scale, uh, which projects to a solid backup with eventual starter potential. Who knows where he might land, find an NFL home. The good news is he's got these traits and athleticism to to potentially find that home. And just there's things he needs to hone in on. There were some, some injury issues, as you know. Next up, working our way backwards to, to the highest prospect on the list. No surprise who that will be. But uh, number three, as we work back through these five Tar Heels, is Mr. Linebacker Jeremiah Gemmel, who just really, man, the, the intangibles, the leadership that he shows, I think is going to make a great locker room piece for a team that will take uh, a chance on him. And that's where he's going to make his mark, is, is in his IQ and, and in his range, uh, where he could make hay as a 4-3 will linebacker, right? Um, but all of that has to work at making up for what NFL people are saying from the combine, that he's obviously undersized going to struggle to take on blocks from from tight ends uh, who are just frankly bigger than him and so he grades out as a six on that eight point scale as someone with with the traits or talent to be an above average backup and make a great life for himself if he wants to uh, Gemmel's going to likely go undrafted but same as Izudu there, there's probably an NFL home for him just has to see how that will play out moving up the list the two final Tar Heels we want to look at from the Combine are a guy that, unfortunately, Carolina had for just one year coming in from Tennessee. That's running back Ty Chandler, who turned on the Blazers in the 40 time. Uh, came out, uh, I think, honestly, helped himself a ton just by showing this pure speed. Got a 4-4-5 on his first go, but came in ultimately tied for third in 40 times amongst running backs with a 4-3-8. That was the second fastest time, but two guys were tied ahead of him. Uh, a couple pros and cons uh, from Ty Chandler's game. He follows blocks well, builds up his speed in the open field, but has to, to work up getting there, which obviously I'm hinting at a con ahead of time. Uh, but, but another great 
option for him is that he is a pass-catching threat. And in today's NFL, if you want to have any shot at being a bell cow or a three-down back or, or proving yourself when you get in, you got to be able to tote the rock and you got to be able to catch the rock. Um, and those are the guys that are going to slot into lineups. And thankfully for Ty Chandler, he can do both things. A couple cons for him is that while he builds up that speed in the open field, it does take Chandler uh, some time to get going, as as observed by NFL draft scouts. Um, his elusiveness is average, and that's not a great thing when you're running away from the fastest defenders on the face of the planet. Um, and also needs to work at getting his pads square sooner and get going uh, downfield and, in in those ways. So similar to the other guys, uh, the other three Carolina Tar Heels we've talked about so far uh, will likely go undrafted, but is someone with great potential to to be a backup. And maybe if he lands in the right spot, who knows? Injuries uh, just play such a pivotal role for running backs. Come on, Ty Chandler, do work, son. And then we come to the most heralded Carolina prospect of this draft class, none other than QB1 himself, the greatest quarterback in Carolina history, Sam Howe. Now, at the combine, he threw but he did not test. He had tweaked um, a calf muscle at the Senior Bowl in the practices, and so didn't run, but he will do that at his pro day on March 28th. Now, it is in game scenarios when, when you're up against it, the lights are on, where Sam Howe really, really shines, especially this year with what he did now adding his legs into the equation. But as we all know, the man can sling a football accurately. <laughs> and so this is a great moment for him to show off that cannon. And so a, a great a great win for him at the combine. His 59 mile an hour throw ranked best amongst those tested. And so um, by all accounts from people, also everything I've read is saying, man, Sam Howe really did well for himself with his throws. Um, and, and so that's a big win coming out of the combine, but obviously again, didn't run and didn't get to show everything. Let me, sh let me just read a quote to you from draft guy, Todd McShay. He says, Howell is interesting because he's not that tall, just over six feet, but he's big. He's strong. Just like Matt Corral, uh, Corral coming out of Ole Miss is a competitive, tough runner, has a big arm. He's the best deep ball thrower in the class. You're hearing that. And I think a team like Detroit that's so blue collar and tough and built on that mentality, I think they could wind up falling in love with a guy like Sam Howe because he's everything that they embody. So with that second first round pick at number 32 overall, that could be a good choice for the Lions. And remember, you get to lock him in for a fifth year as a first round draft pick. So uh, Todd McShay thinks uh, to the Lions would be a great spot for Sam Howe. Uh, as we've seen from Matthew Stafford, it's a great place to go for about 10 years and die as a quarterback and then go to the Rams and win a, win a Super Bowl. So you know what? There's your path. Sam Howe. Now, famed uh, NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper, McShay's colleague, says Sam Howe to me is a Baker Mayfield type, but I think you look at the year he had, the inconsistencies with a with result of losing the four players that Carolina did. They lost two running backs, two receivers. We all know who those guys are. We knew there would be a drop-off in terms of his numbers, but there were games where he still looked like a top 10, top 15 pick. Others, where, as McShay said, well, it's more like second round. So you've got to come up somewhere in between. And so uh, so it sounds like Kuyper's saying because of some of those inconsistencies, uh, he's just worried about that drop-off from Sam Howe when he doesn't have all that talent around him. 
as you would imagine, a whole host of people from things I read talked about the intangibles that Sam Howe brings with leadership, with his interview skills, and how those were off the charts. So that's going to be a big win for him, uh, is he's going to be someone that a, a, a franchise is going to believe in and trust. And so that's a, a win. Here's where we're at, the big takeaway. Sam Howe has to perform on Pro Day. Just keep trying to find ways to get yourself up the leaderboard, get back into that conversation that you were in before this season and things fell apart a little bit just because of Carolina's inconsistent play. That's the deal. That's where we're at. Do work, Sam Howe. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. And you can follow me at Isaac Shade. You can see it right there. Boom. Um, and uh, please make sure you're checking us out on YouTube. If you're seeing it on YouTube right now, what's up? Hey, YouTube! Hit that subscribe button, hit that bell so you know when new episodes drop. And if you like what you're hearing, please go tell a friend. Let's get ready for this March Madness push. I know there's a lot of new folks coming in. I'm seeing all the numbers on the back end. So glad you're here if this is your first time checking in. Coming up tomorrow, some great stuff. We are going to look ahead at Carolina basketball's postseason hopes coming out of what happened in uh, Cameron on Saturday. What what do things look like for the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament for Carolina? And I want to talk more about Leaky Black and what a year he had and how it was just missed by people. We're going to come up, talk about all that tomorrow's show. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day, including today. Now let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Maybe one of them is wanting to take a chance on one of those guys we just talked about. It's free. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday talking Carolina sports with me. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!